Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through View 461, and today we're going to talk about Nippon. This is a 2015 release if you were in Europe and elsewhere, and I think it's a 2016 release here in the United States. I just got my copy a couple of weeks ago. It's from What's Your Game. Uh, I was a little bit piqued in the interest because the designer, uh, I'm going to have to look at their name so I don't mispronounce it, Paolo Soledad and Nuno Centiero have done two of my more favorite games, uh, Madeira and Panamax last year, and so this is sort of their follow-up to that. Uh, heavy Euros, good crunchy strategy is what they're typically known for. And this one is set uh, during uh, the sort of industrial, moving into the industrial, I should say, era of Japan, uh, where you start to establish, you know, railways and stuff like that. Uh, and players trying to get a foothold economically and all that kind of stuff thematically, but it's really kind of an area control game and also uh, some other different Euro elements that are in there. So let's take a look at how the mechanics work and then I'll tell you what I think of it. So as I said, Nippon is set during the Meiji period. This is the transitional period into a more open society. Instead of such a closed off society, it was moving into you know exporting goods, also developing uh, local economic centers and so on. And the players are very much involved with that. So here we can see the main player board. You've got a map of Japan here, a couple of different tracks and different action spaces that you can see here in these different columns, as well as spots here that are going to correspond to different regions on the board. So you can see there's actually four regions. So here we've got a ship and or rail box here and this goes to this region. You can see sort of that thick border right here. So this these correspond to this main region and then there's this region here. You can see that and then here and then this bigger island off to the top there. So those are the four areas that you're going to be trying to get uh, area control in. And then up here at the top it depicts all of the various actions that you can take. Now the way that you take actions in this game is very interesting. You have this bag here and you're going to seed this bag a little differently based on the number of players, but you have these different colored workers and you're going to put these up here. So you can see I went ahead and seeded the board here. You can have three in each of these spots and you have some workers off here kind of in the reserve in groups of three. Now what you're going to do when you take an action is you're going to decide which of these actions you want to do. And most of these spots have two choices. So if I wanted to take one of these two actions, I'd take a worker of my choice and then I'm going to put that actually onto my own player board. Everybody has a player board in front of them and then you'll take and put the worker there and then start adding more workers uh, left or right like so. Now when you actually deplete, let's just for example take these here, once we deplete that of workers then we're going to fill in new colored workers here from this row and then so as these deplete these are actually going to disappear and that's going to actually move the round tracker. So here we're going to have this round tracker and every time we deplete this set of workers we're going to push this forward, we're going to reseed any spots here that have empty spots, so anything with less than three, we'll add new workers and we'll refill this up. And then we'll play again, we'll keep taking actions. So it's not a fixed number of turns, it's kind of a rough number of turns. And then every time you can see here, these little slots here, this little minus there, and these little two minuses there, you're gonna have a scoring round every time you go past those and trigger those. So you're gonna score, again, the different areas on the board, and I'll explain that in a minute. But you're gonna score those three times in the game, and then when you get to the end here, you're actually going to have a final area control scoring and then some extra bonuses and things. The other interesting thing here is once you move into this slot, we have that sort of round reset, then at that point each player is just going to get three turns 
And so every time it goes around the board, this is going to move each time. And then the game will end once you have your third turn, and then it will trigger the final scoring there. So you have sort of a, sort of a quick back-to-back -back scoring from the second and third rounds there. So let's take a look at what your actions are and how you're going to be able to develop these different areas and su subsequently get area control in them. And then we'll go from there. So you've got your actions here. And the first action, I'm going to go kind of in different orders in a way that actually makes sense. So let's zoom in here and we'll look at this spot first. So this, you can see, you can buy a factory here for production. They're always going to cost you 6000 And you can see here the money is a nice sort of cardboard money. And it's going to cost you that. And then there's going to be a stack of these different factories that you can purchase. But you need a certain level of knowledge to purchase different factories. So I've gone here and set up a player board. You can see there's three tracks here with some trains and things there. And there's this, here's the knowledge track. So as you move up this track, you're going to have a different levels of knowledge. Everybody starts down here with one knowledge. But everybody also starts off with one blueprint and you can spend these to sort of temporarily give yourself extra knowledge you can acquire more of these throughout the game of course you can also just move this track up if i'm up to here of course i get three knowledge now there's a mess of these factories and these are very interesting they come in different levels so you can see i've got four of these sort of clock looking things here and then here I've got light bulbs or electricity, and these have different icons and everything like that. And they also come in different levels. Now you can see here, let's go to the back. You can see the level here. So this is a level one, and you can see you need a knowledge level of two. So the knowledge level is always twice the level. So level ones are always two knowledge, whereas we have here on the back side of these, this is a level three because we know knowledge is always twice the level, so six. So there's level one, two, and three. And so in this case, maybe I would take that action there to buy one of these. And in this case, I only have one knowledge to start the game. So I would immediately discard this extra blueprint to bump me up in this knowledge. So I can now pay, this is the cost here in knowledge, and I'll put this in front of me. Now, not only does this produce a certain type of good, but it also will give you a different benefit. Sometimes it's immediate benefit, like this one will give you 5,000 right away. Sometimes it will be, you know, a recurring sort of special ability. And there's a lot of these. There's a nice little uh, reference sheet here that shows you uh, the different uh, special abilities in the different factories and the different types of goods and everything. Uh, so some of these are going to favor different, you know, tracks and stuff that you can move up and different abilities that you can do in the game. So that's a lot. I'm not going to go over that in too much detail, at least right now. But that's the first action that you could do. You could pay 6000 and then buy one of these factories and you put this up in front of you. Now you can only have one of each type. So when you go to buy, for example, like your silk factory or whatever, you want to be picky and choosy about which one you get because that's the one you're stuck with. And so you're going to base a lot of that on the special ability as well as you can see here the cost to actually do production uh, at this factory. So there's going to be another action I'm going to show you where you actually do production. This is the amount of coal you have to burn when you run this factory. So the cost sometimes is different within a given type. So speaking of actually running the production, here's the other action there. So you can see what this is telling us to burn X amount of coal and you can run three different factories and actually do production there. Now, if we take a look here, it's not going to be super efficient because we take a look at this one here. We're going to burn four coal. I'll talk about how you get coal more in a minute, but every time you burn, 
you're just going to get one good. You can see these black cubes are sort of interchangeable. If they're on your board, they just track, you know, whatever statistic you got. If they're on your board as cold, they're cold. But then when you sort of transform them into the good, you just put one on there. So that's four for one. That's no good at all. But another action that you can take here is you can actually upgrade the technology of that factory. You can see you can do that one, two, or three times for five, 10, or $15. And then what you're going to do here is actually we'll take the factory like so, and then we'll put a plus one, a plus two, and so on on this. Now you can max these out at a plus two, but that means, let's say I had actually put this at plus two. When I run and burn this factory, I burn four coal still, but instead of just getting one marker, I'm actually going to get three each time I run it, and that's way more efficient. So what you're going to be wanting to go to this action a lot to spend money and then upgrade your factories capabilities. Now, while we're spending money here, you can see you can spend one, three or six dollars to go up the knowledge track itself. And you can spend one, three or six dollars to go up the coal track. Now you can see I've already shown you the knowledge track. So you can spend one, two or three times or one, three or six dollars to go up that many spaces. And the same here with the coal track. And the other track I want to show you now is the money track. This is kind of like your income track. And so this is another interesting uh, sort of mechanism in the game. So let's take a quick break from talking about the different actions. And then we'll talk about what you're going to do when you pass or reset. So like I said, on your turn, you're going to take a worker, add it to your board, and you can do one of the actions that I'm going to show you. Or instead of that, you kind of reset your board here. Now, as you acquire uh, different workers, you're going to fill up these tracks here. And let's say I wanted to reset at this point. I would go ahead and I would get rid of any money I had. You do start with a little bit of money and you start with some coal as well. But anything that you had, maybe I had like a coal, this often happens to me, I'll have a coal and then $1,000 left over. So I'm actually gonna wipe that out. And then I'm gonna gather coal equal to the spot where I'm at on the track. So if I'm way up here, when I do this reset action, I'm gonna get five coal, oops, and then add it there. And then I'm gonna get rid of all the money and then I'm gonna get, in this case, $15,000 and then add that back in here. Now the next thing that you do is you're going to look and see how far along this track you are. You see there's a two, three, four, and five, and you're going to look and see. Now we were all the way over to the three. So I can take and grab one of these markers and these are going to be seated uh, differently uh, based on the number of players. And it's kind of like shuffled up. So it's kind of random, but you can see in this row here, I have all of these are three times multipliers and I'm not going to get into explaining how you shuffle these up because it would take me longer than you reading a paragraph in the rules. It's, it seems like really funky. Then you do it and you're like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so let's say I passed and then I can grab either here $5,000 and I would take that marker. And if there's none left, then I obviously can't take that. I can grab this marker that'll give me two bonus coal. Now this is after, of course, you've wiped and reset your coal and money, so you're not immediately gonna lose those. Or I can grab this here. That's gonna give me uh, two more uh, blueprints there that I can add uh, to my supply. So I'll take one of those, and then you notice on the back of these, there's different multipliers. So these are the same, except for in this row, it's a five times multiplier. So you really want to get these, these big ones here. And what you do with the multipliers, you'll take the bonus, then you'll take this token, for example, and then you're going to stick it on one of these end game bonuses. So in this case, this says I have two completed contracts. Well, I'm not scoring any points for those at the end of the game, but if I throw this on here, that shows you I'm going to score three points for every pair of completed contracts. 
So that's pretty cool. Now there are two here. This is gonna give you one point for each star that you hit here on your knowledge track. You get that to, for free. And then this one here is one point for each uh, $6,000 you have left at the end of the game. Now you can overwrite so like I could put this one on top of that and say, instead of getting one times, I get three times. But once you put a multiplier on a spot, then you're locked into that. So whatever you put, like the four and the five multiplier is where you want to be scoring your points. So it makes you kind of commit early into, like I'm gonna to go to this strategy or this other strategy. I'll go over these in a little bit, but just know that when you pass now, you're gonna clear all these off, you're gonna get coal and income, and you're also gonna get one of these little tokens based on how far many guys you have up to the right. The other thing to keep in mind though is the color of these workers here. You have to pay $3,000 for each different color worker, and again, this is after you collect your money. So if I collected 15,000 here, I've got two different color workers, so I've got to subtract six, I've only got 11,000. So that's something you gotta keep in mind uh, throughout the game, and also keep in mind in terms of, you know, kind of the order that you do stuff, based on which colors are what, and which colors you can see sort of coming up. So we've talked about moving up the tracks, uh, buying factories, producing stuff in the factories. Now, what are we gonna do uh, with those goods, and, and, and the, how are we gonna get some of the major points in the game? Well, the first thing you're gonna do here is simply, you can fulfill up to three different contracts. Now, each player is gonna have a set of identical contracts in front of them, and you can see here that you have these little sort of uh, requirements here. This is sort of the cost. Now, remember, we had this factory before, and let's say we had just one factory here, and we've got three goods on it. Now, what this is saying, we could actually take this action to fulfill contracts. We could use all three goods to fulfill that contract. You can use any good you want, but if it has multiple numbers, like a one and a one, that means you need one good from one contract and then one good from another, so another type. So you can do three of those. You can spend all of these goods that are on here and then get different things. Uh, so for example, this one will give you, whoops, uh, $4,000, and then you'll move up three spaces over here on the income track. This is a good way to get your income track up. And so there's a variety of things here. You can get just 12 points, you can get some money. What happens when you fill them though, is you'll flip them over, and remember I showed you that bonus for completed contracts, that's how you get these. So for every pair of completed contracts, you might actually score some points. So that's one thing you can do there with your goods to sort of export them uh, you know, off the island. The other thing you can do here is actually develop and put your goods back into the island. You can do that three separate places. Now, how do you go about doing that? Well, you can see here, I've got the two regions. I've got this region here and this region up here. Now, when you do this action, all of your activity has to take place in one region, but you can put out up to three of your influence tiles. And you can see each player has an assortment of influence tiles in their color and different numbers. Now you have multiples of some numbers, like you got multiple threes and fours, and, and then you got a five and a six and a seven. And so what you're doing is you're exporting, or excuse me, selling sort of these goods. Now, again, we have the same factory as before, and you can see this is that green color there. So what is the better region to go to? Well, this one only once one of these uh, has only one city that wants these. Now this one here has two, so it's probably better to go here. And so I can sell probably to these two different spots. If I had more, a variety of goods, then obviously that would be better to give me more options. So that's something you definitely wanna do. And so what you're gonna do is you can move over just slightly here and you can see the different kinds of factories. You mean level one, level two, level three. 
So this is a level three, which you won't have very early in the game. And then the number of cubes that you want to dump off of it. So let's say, for example, I have a level three and I can dump all three cubes. So that means I can put up to a seven onto a spot. Let's pretend I didn't have that many. And I wanted to do maybe two on one and then one on another. So two cubes of a level three will give me a six and then one cube of a level three would give me a five. So that gives me a little bit more influence. Six plus five is 11 instead of seven. So I get a little bit more bang for my buck and I get my foothold here in these spots like so. So two cubes could go for the six and then the one cube goes to the five and I've done my action. Now, every time you do that, you can see you get a region bonus. In this case, it's $5,000. In this case, it's two coal. Don't ignore that, that's a good spot. And what you're doing here is you're trying to start to exert your influence. So now I've got 11 points of influence. So like I said, remember when you trigger a scoring round, you're gonna look at all four regions and see who has the most influence. So let's look at this example here. Uh, let's say we had triggered a scoring round, we triggered that first scoring round there. You can see first place in each region is gonna get 10 points. Then second is seven and third is five. And then it's gonna go up in the second and third scoring rounds. So right now, blue has 11, yellow has six, but the game has three, five, six, seven. So the game actually, or the board, actually has more influence points than yellow. Now they don't actually score any points, but they act as sort of a buffer for these different levels. So in this case, blue would get 10, because they've got 11, and then the game would sort of eat up those seven points, and then yellow would only get five points. Or if it was the later round, of course, everybody would get more. Now the other thing to keep in mind when you put out these influence markers is you can bump somebody out. So if the yellow player also had a uh, coal and they dumped two coal out, they can actually come over here and bump this out like so. I'm sorry, not coal, but whatever this good is here. They would bump that out and so then they would knock this down. So now we've knocked uh, blue down to six and now we're tied. In that case, you add up and divide the points. So there is some jockeying from control. Now these numbers here on the board itself don't actually, you don't, re you don't require to have a higher number uh, than the board. You just, you can put whatever you want on top of it. But once you have one of yours on there, they can't knock you out unless they have a higher number. So they've got to sort of overspend to dominate there. Now there's a couple of the things that are gonna come into play here and that's gonna be ships. And these are ships here and also trains as well. So let's talk about how you get those out on the board. Now you've got two actions here. You've got to spot here to put out ships and trains. You can spend five, 10 or 15 to put out one, two or three of that type, but they have to be in different regions uh, for that action. On a future action, you can you know double them up and stuff. So the ships are actually gonna add to the points you might score and the trains themselves are actually gonna add to the number of influence. So let's take a look at this example. In this case, blue has five and yellow has six influence, but blue has here a train and that's gonna add them plus two influence to that region so you could have multiple trains. Uh, you can get a special ability to actually upgrade uh, any trains that aren't yet placed on the board to a plus three. And then here you have a, a sort of a two point modifier. Now you can see if you get first or second place, in any of the scorings, you get to add your ship bonus. If you're third or lower, you don't get those points. The other thing to keep in mind here is if you don't have an influence marker, then the trains don't help you. It's, you start with zero and there's no zero plus anything. You've gotta have at least one 
influence marker and then your trains are sort of activated and you can use those. So those are all the actions you can take. You can take them in different orders. You, again, you have to keep in mind the different colors of the workers because again, you're gonna have to pay different amounts based on different colors. And you're really trying to score a lot of points here with the contracts as well as the area control. That's basically the game is the area control and everything else kind of revolves and supports that. Now, like I said, you do possibly get extra points at the end of the game for all of these bonuses here. So there's a variety of things. I told you you get bonus points for money. You will get points here for unlocking these stars. You can see as I start to clear these away, I should say you actually will get income bumps as you clear both the ship and the train away. And then every time you hit a star here, you're going to be able to score these bonuses like so. Uh, different factories, you're gonna get a certain number of points. Again, remember, it's the modifier you put on there. So you might say, you know what, I'm gonna to try to score a lot of points by getting all the different kinds of factories. So the first time I get my 5X multiplier, I'm gonna go there, that's the strategy I'm gonna do. This one gives you bumps for the technology bonus. Remember, you can have uh, plus twos. So for every plus two that you've upgraded your factory with, so you can, those kind of work together. And then you get points for the stars on these different tracks, completed contracts and finally having influence in the different regions. So you just wanna kinda of get markers sort of spread out. Anyway, so that's the end game sort of bonus scoring points that you get. Okay, so that's Nippon, what I think about it. I really enjoy this game. I think I'm sort of becoming a fan of uh, Nuno and Paulo. Uh, this is the third game now that I've really enjoyed from them. Uh, it is very different in a lot of ways. It has a lot of familiar sort of Euro stuff, you know, area control and, you know, you get bonus points and stuff for like all the stuff you were kind of doing anyway, like getting money, you know, you're building factories anyway because you want to get the area control. So you're kind of doubling up on that. But the mechanics to me feel very fresh. I like the worker takement thing where you take the worker and activate the, the action. There is some thought there because if you, take a worker of a color that you can see somebody's got like a lot of black workers then you say well I'll take the black worker because that makes them take the pink worker and that's going to cost them three extra dollars to take that so there's some of that there's kind of the order of things that you can do stuff because you know you can see the new workers coming up so you say well if I take this now I kind of like to do this other thing right now but if I wait then you know some of those other workers are going to seat out onto the board and then I don't have to pay as much. The area control, like I said, is the biggest part of the game for sure. Um, I've seen a game where somebody came really far back and scored a lot of points at the end of the game, kind of building up their engine. So that was kind of interesting to see that because I've seen where other players were kind of getting lots of points, you know, during a game, kind of cruising along, getting their engine going. And then, you know, the player comes back and just like, they worked a lot on the, getting the trains out and all that kind of stuff, not really scoring any points early in the game, but really being careful about, you know, getting their bonus points, and everything, and then kind of just laying down the hammer in the third round and scoring like massive amounts of points. So it's interesting to me that that strategy actually worked out. Um, so I think there is some kind of flexibility here in terms of, you know, the approach that you want to take. Um, uh, so the board is actually randomly seated every uh, game. So the, the cities and things that I saw you attaching the influence to, that's going to be different. There's going to be some time to sort of study that and think about, you know, which factories I want to get into and which areas I want to, you know, kind of set up and kind of set up a little bit of a foothold on. And that's pretty cool, uh, just how that's going to kind of work out because the kind of the driving force behind that 
is the different region bonuses. And I mentioned, let's see, you get the two blueprints in one area, the two coal, which I can't oversell because you need to get coal to run the factories. And those level three factories cost a lot of coal. The $5,000, which is also very good because you know, maybe that makes up for losing the 3,000 when you did the whole reset. And then there's two points, you know, who cares about the ones that give you victory points? It's like every Euro game is like, oh, that one gives you points. Well, it's probably the worst one. <laughs> um, and two points is not really a ton in this game, but anyway, but you can, you know, everybody ignores that and you go and dominate that and get a lock in. And so, uh, so there's that part of it. So that's interesting about, you know, getting into some of these juicier areas. So there's a little bit more competition there. And then also, like I said, the factories themselves, uh, figuring out which bonuses you want to grab because, you know, getting the factories that some of the factories have no bonuses, but it's cheaper to run them. That's a pretty good deal. And some of the other bonuses are also really good. You know, the ones that like upgrade your trains to plus three instead of plus two or the ships to three points, or, you know, they'll just give you, you know, you can just put out some trains. Uh, some will actually reduce the cost of things. Or when you increase on one of the tracks, you get to go an extra bump or maybe one will bump you up a few spaces on the track and all kinds of stuff like that. So some will give you blueprints and so on. So that's a nice thing to kind of play with too, because that really kind of reminds me of Madeira a little bit, not in such a way that I would say they're kind of just, you know, sending the mechanic along and sort of, Hey, well, that worked really well. We'll use that here. It just kind of reminds me sort of thematically of it where you'd make use of the different guilds and the folks in the city in that game. And that could really sort of, you know, you play with the different combos each time you play. And this is really going to have that, Ability. It's like, you know, this time I'm going to do train stuff and then I'm going to do the couple of train things and then, you know, go for that. And maybe I'll ignore this other type of good because you don't need every type of good. You just maybe pick and choose a few and then go on from there. So I like that, you know, that sort of allowing you to play around with it. Yeah, so it's really cool. And I would say, I know at the beginning I said, you know, oh, well, it's a 2016 release for me because I'm like, wow, this is really fun. I think I would have put it in my top seven euros from 2015. <laughs> it's like, dang it. All these Essen games are going to come over. I know I'm, probably in the next six months, first half of 2016, I'm going to play all these 2015 releases that I really like. And I'm like, that was good. So I'm calling this a 2016 release. So I might include it on my list at the end of this year. We'll see. It's definitely worth uh, considering for that kind of game. It's a really, really good game, really fun. And it does play at a good clip. You know, you just take the worker and then do your action and everybody goes. And it does end quicker than you think it would, uh, especially as you learn the game and then you're like, oh wow, we're already scoring a second time. And then, then you play it again and then it's like, okay, now I got the like, you know, little motor running in my brain and I'm gonna go for it. So if you like Euros, take a look at it. it should be over here now-ish. Uh, thanks.